I mean, I was doing $250 weddings mm-hmm. at the very beginning. Oh, how much do you cost to plan my wedding? 250 bucks. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's going to take me, you know, a year of constant phone calls and messages and meetings and meeting with Why people. Why would you do that so cheap? Because I wasn't familiar with How were you living at that. the time making 250 bucks? I'm, I had some savings and I was uh, actually... <laughs> it's a great transition. I had a 1995 Toyota Supra, pearl white. It was my baby. I sold it, and that actually is what leveraged me to continue for a, a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know how amazing a Mark IV is, Supra. So I sold that and um, used that to sustain myself and build my business. And then there was a historical building downtown that wasn't doing anything. And I. What town are we in again? Hollister. We're still in Hollister. Mm-hmm. And I had an opportunity and said, hey, it's a really pretty building. It's not doing anything. Why don't you do events in it? Okay. See what you got. And so I was just the on-site guy. I didn't have a lease. I wasn't, there was no business aspect part of it yet. I was just kind of going through the motions the best that I could to do something that I thought I loved at that time. And a year goes by and we start getting traction, start doing larger events. My numbers started to increase. And then finally, the uh, landlord was like, let's make this official. Buy my license. My, it was a liquor license. Buy my license. And uh, we did a lease on the building. And dang, we're going to get deep into this. Whoa. Damn. Because, yeah. yeah, if we're going to follow this timeline, it's going to get deep. We, we only have an hour? <laughs> we can go two hours if you got a good timeline. Shit. Dude, we all have the best time ever to start a small business. If I'm not going to be 100% in, I'm not going to do it. Come on, man. Just be yourself. Yeah, and and just show up as yourself. If you don't realize what I'm really about, I'm about freedom, family, and my country. Eric, cheers. I I know you don't drink much. I do not. But I at least got you to have two glasses of whiskey tonight. You did. Just get you to relax a little bit. I let down my walls. We're going to push them down a little bit more. Could try. We're going to try. It's the control freak in you. That's what makes you good at what you do. That's right. We'll get into that in a minute. So, California kid uh, in a town called Hollister, um, 30 minutes outside of... Monterey. Monterey. Did you love it growing up? I did. So, it, it really is like that hometown feel. Um, every Friday night, everybody was at the football game. There was one. There is one high school, and it's where everybody went. How many kids graduated? Four thousand. Wow. Yeah. Town about forty thousand, and it was very much leave your garage open at night. Everybody knew where everybody's kids were. Definitely home. Yeah, sounds like a sweet. Sounds like Point Pleasant. That's where you're at right now. Yeah. We can leave our garage open, and we have a good Friday night football game all the time. So, growing up in Hollister, what did you think about it as a guy who was young, 12, 14, 16 years old? I was an isolated kid. Um, I didn't really have a specific clique. Like, I didn't hang out. I wasn't a jock. I wasn't a computer geek. I really kind of just traveled amongst the groups. I had friends and pockets and each one of those and um, 
I had a high school sweetheart for many years. And outside of school itself, my attention definitely was trying to get the attention of the girls. Um, but I was not your typical You're still trying to get the kid. attention of the girls. I mean, that come is on, correct. look at that. You look That'll handsome. never end. Can't you? I mean, <laughs> handsome outfit. Crush it with the fucking cowboy killers, dude. <laughs> my shit kickers. They look nice, dude. It's my dailies. It's got my first set. Can I come out to Cali, you think? Yeah, they'd let me do a little bit of, like, you know, modeling. They let me, what do you think? Can I play Absolutely. for me? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's get the brand down. You know everybody out there. Let's do it. So, you're like, I'm going to go do this. I want to mm -hmm. do something different. Mm -hmm. I want to get outside of my area. What did you start thinking about? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not fitting in with everybody. I don't assimilate to the population. I'm thinking with the left side of my brain. They're all thinking with the right. Yeah. You know, what did you start to do? Where did you start to go? What direction were you moving in? So I had an opportunity uh, in high school where, um, I don't know if you know what a magnet is. And so a magnet course is a specific uh, outside driven. Is it past junior year? Because I got kicked out. Is that senior year? I, so I actually didn't even graduate high school. Now I actually like you more. So I had so many cutting hours, I did not walk across the stage. What were we doing, modeling or something? No. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was cutting class and chasing girls. Yeah. Yep. It's trouble. Women. It is trouble. And so trouble. I, I did not um, complete those detention hours. So, you know, if you go on a Saturday, you do Saturday school, mm -hmm. and they would credit you a certain amount you of hours. You went to school on Saturday? That was detention. And you'd get 20 detention hours. Good luck getting me at detention. Right? I, that's why I did, not, send a police I did not walk. And, but that still didn't stop me from pushing beyond, you know, what I wanted to do with my life. Were you thinking at that age as a guy who was in detention on a Saturday, like, this system is irrelevant. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm wasting time in this. Were you already a dreamer then? So a lot of people that know me will tell you I'm extremely observant. And I've always just been that guy who, for the longest time, have, has been extremely reserved. Analyzing, thinking, just yeah, observing. Good CIA agent. That is correct. <laughs> and a lot of people make that assumption because I've practiced that through the many years of learning people and patterns. And that goes into my book where people ask, what's your book about? I published a book and it is all about the patterns that people have. Pattern so, recognition. Sorry? Pattern recognition. Correct. Tony Robbins talks about it a lot. Mm -hmm. And so through all those years of just observing, you start to recognize it. And so that your eyes are always on your head. You're uh, never on the bottom of your feet. The grass is always green. The sun rises and sets. You live... You, you're born, you live, and you die. That's a pattern. Mm -hmm. Business follows the same similar patterns mm -hmm. because business is 100% people-based. And so when you understand that, you understand When business. did you become interested in that, though? Like, how old were you? I would say probably 30. 30 years old. Um, I worked for Marriott Hotels for a long time. Hold on, we're skipping you ahead. We got to go back. Go back my to fault. my childhood. No, so, I don't, no, don't no, want to talk about that. No, so so so, so we're skipping over childhood, bro. Yeah, right, right, right. We got to go back. <laughs> so fired up, Hollister kid. Yeah. Um, 
father was tough. We talked about it a little bit. Uh, my father wasn't tough. He just wasn't there. Mm. So he was a... Are you calling me? I'm not right calling you. Somebody's calling you? Yeah. Tell my mom podcast. <laughs> you could be like the guy, like the most interesting man in the world. You could do that commercial. I don't always drink beer, but when I do, it's Dos Equis. Yeah. Seriously, you could be that guy. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. He's getting old. He is. Yeah. I, I've been told. I've been told that. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll be your agent. I, I need one. Actually, I'm thinking about it right now. I've, I have a couple offers, and I'm trying to see what direction I do want to go in. You deflected again. We're going back to the childhood. Let's go back. So in the childhood, you had some tough shit going on because everybody who's highly motivated like you... We seek something sure. because of what we went through as a kid, myself included. Mm-hmm. So you went through either your father not being around or whatever the case may be. <clears throat> what was your relationship like, like with your father? There was none. And so that's where I'm able to really be with myself a lot because I was that alone child. I walked to and from school every day. <clears throat> Explain how that's a benefit now. Because it was painful back then, but you could turn that pain into power. Absolutely. I'm able to sit with those emotions that are uncomfortable. And the more you push through those uncomfortable moments, they almost disappear or don't exist at all. Yeah, you're just like a whole, a whole new you is found. Right. Yeah. And so I, as a kid, when I was feeling frustrated or stressed or even angry. Matt, can I get a bourbon? I would go up on the roof of my house. <laughs> Was it a night's roof? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> story? No. <laughs> come on, you're an actor. Give but, me a view. <laughs> like, what was the view? T- tell the story. <laughs> yeah, come on. You be theatrical. <laughs> do I have to do your job for you? Right. I could totally crush a Marriott guy. You walk in like, welcome to Marriott. How you fucking doing, dude? That's right. You look handsome as hell today. I got the best fucking room for you, sir. And we have a bottle of the best bourbon waiting for you. Just for you. Come on. We did all this just for you. Tell me I would kill it. Yeah. Or I could be like, hi, welcome to Walmart. I could do both, dude. Absolutely. Kind of like switch hitter. Um, Throwing you off your game. Yeah, absolutely. That's the point it's of this. Good. It's good. And so as I went through my adolescence, I chose to really... Um, sit with my emotions. So I would go up on clam the roof up. and sit there. Sorry? You would, you would, you would internalize. You would clam up. Uh, yeah, so it was like you, you have to process them. And then eventually they dissipate and then they pass because emotions come and go. And they go. And so I learned to do that. And so even if today... If you could simply just understand that, that was something for me for a long time I couldn't correct. get over. Yeah. Because I'm so go, go, go. It was like the emotion rushing, usually anger. Mm-hmm. Usually frustration, excuse me, scars mess me up. But I'd let that come in and I'd get heated. And like now, like a lot of shit I let go. The only thing that really revs my buttons is if we have a moral and ethic conversation and I'm like, yo, are you on? Yo, do you get it? Hey, hey, hey. And then mm-hmm. you cross that boundary for me, then I'm coming at you. Yeah. Most of the time I'm able to, right? Even, I mean, three years ago, I would, I would react over some dumb stuff. And now I just look at those emotions like, like, call it flow through, or like, we should brand something. That should be your brand. Something I'll think about that. Yeah. We'll get into your other brands. Right. So, so those, 
Those emotions, what did they turn into for you? Was it motivation? Hey, I want to chase down something. I want to not think about the emotion. It, it becomes endurance. And so one of my biggest pillars of my values is endurance. And it even makes so much more sense with today because everybody's scrolling. It's all instant gratification, instant gratification. I want to be famous today. I want to be successful today. I want the dream relationship today. And that's not how life unfolds, right? You plant a seed and you have to water it, give it sunlight, and it has its process of growth. So with those emotions and learning that, I'm able to just go through every day you process the tough ones and you know that they pass. Instead of being reactive or making a rash decision, making bad judgments, you sit with it, it passes, and you just keep enduring life's challenges. Life. Mm-hmm. Correct. Enduring life. And that was my education back then, and that's how I play it today. So going into the Marriott properties, what were you doing for them? You described something earlier, and I liked it because I like that. So I started at the front desk, um, and... Handsome fellow, nice suit, front desk. Yeah, so I started at the front desk, and I was very welcoming. You know, checking in, how can I help you, da-da-da-da, doing that whole song and dance. Were you in the CA back then, too? I wasn't yet. I wasn't yet. yet recruited. All right. And so what we were talking about earlier with Marriott is they teach you how, I mean, there's a frame that they truly embody at those um, properties. They teach you how to walk, how to talk, how to address people. The way you just sat forward. Yeah, exactly. So here's an engagement moment, right? You're paying attention. And so it's not when when a guest comes up to you, it's, you know, excuse me, where's the bathroom? Oh, it's right over there. Take a left. You'll go down the hallway. It was you walk three steps and you say, come with me. And it's with an open arm and you do this mo- movement. And then not only that, for me, I just loved that feeling of walking into the hotel lobby, wearing a suit, smelling that 6 a.m. fresh coffee for everybody to come down from their room or from everybody checking in. It's truly a lights, camera, action moment in a hotel. Everybody's on stage. Everybody's ready to go. Let me tell my favorite things about Marriott. The mattress. Um, All Marriott mattresses are beauty rest. So I called up Sleepies and said, I want Marriott's mattress. So that's how uneducated I was. Like, I'm calling Sleepies, and I think that they have Marriott property mattresses. Uh And they told me it was a beauty rest. Sleepies sold beauty rest. Mm Mm-hmm. So this guy could have sold the shit out of me, but I still to this day have this clean up there. It feels like a Marriott bed. I worked for Westin Hotels, and that's a Starwood property. I thought you were Marriott. I was also with Marriott. And I, um, I moved a lot. They encourage movement every year. And so... Where'd you, you go? Know, Tell me where you went. To promote and... List them. To get a different experience. Out of state? I was in Las Vegas. I was at the JW Marriott in Summerlin which is a beautiful property resort. And I was at the West End, Casarina, which is also in Las, central Las Vegas. And they have what's called a heavenly bed. And so their greeting is, have a heavenly day. Have a heavenly day. And it's just that type of etiquette 
with hotels that they really do teach and customer service is extremely important. And yeah. it's those little things that they understand, which is why people love staying at hotels and resorts and going on vacation. What's your favorite resort? The JW Marriott really is beautiful. That's your so favorite? Well, I don't know if it's my Yeah. You know who talks about the JW all the time? Paul. Bubba Coos, yeah. Mike and him actually met up for cigars. We're going off tape here. JW Marriott. Mm-hmm. I've seen then, pictures. So I was with the Marriott, and I was married at the time, my high school sweetheart. We had our first son. It was just us. His name? Noah. Noah? Like the Ark. Mm-hmm. And we were both working, working parents at that time. You know, it's you're building a life. We can't do this. We need some help. And so we decided to move back home to Hollister. And we needed the help of our parents and friends and family. And at that point, I was working for a uh, for the Marriott downtown San Jose. So I was commuting and did really well and had an opportunity to be like, to reflect on my life and said, I don't want to do this anymore. However, that moment only came after my sister was getting married and she rented a barn and she goes, Eric, I need your help. Help me plan my wedding. I said, okay. So I called all my resources, all my vendors that I would work with and say, hey, I need a favor. My sister's getting married. Let's do something great. And so we turned this barn, the stable, into this gorgeous banquet space. And the whole time everybody was saying, this is beautiful. You turned this into that. You should be doing this for yourself. And I said, okay. I thought about it. I walked away from my career. And that was my first entrance of being a business owner. I was a wedding planner. I related really well with couples and it was easy for me to talk the language. Wait, hold on, we gotta back up. So the nuggets for people who watch the show is, okay, that was the last time I worked for somebody else and now I started my own business. Yeah. But how did you get there? What were the steps? So uh, there was no did steps. Did you buy a place? No, it was just immediate. It was immediate for who? Where were you planning weddings? Just anywhere? Oh, yeah. So I was getting phone calls because uh, that's a lot of when it starts, it's resources, right? You do these little things. Oh, I saw so-and-so or mm-hmm. someone told me you do this. Here, can you help me out and do those types of things? So you, you can describe the things so people can learn. Uh, I mean, I was doing $250 weddings mm-hmm. at the very beginning. Oh, how much do you cost to plan my wedding? 250 bucks. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's going to take me you know, a year of constant phone calls and messages and meetings and meeting with Why people. Why would you do that so cheap? Because I wasn't familiar with How were you living at that. the time making 250 bucks? I had some savings and I was uh, actually, <laughs> it's a great transition. I had a 1995 Toyota Supra, pearl white. It was my baby. I sold it, and that actually is what leveraged me to continue for a, a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know how amazing a Mark IV is, Supra. My neighbors actually had both. It was a maroon, terrible color, and a light blue. And they would leave the driveway, and they would spin out on the rocks a little bit. And I was like, I want a the Supra. The best car I ever made. Yeah, I never got a Supra, though. Yeah, so I sold that and um, used that to 
sustain myself and build my business. And then there was a historical building downtown that wasn't doing anything. And I... What town are we in again? Hollister. We're still in Hollister. Mm -hmm. And I had an opportunity and said, hey, it's a really pretty building. It's not doing anything. Why don't you do events in it? Okay. Let's see what you got. And so I was just the on-site guy. I didn't have a lease. I wasn't... There was no business aspect part of it yet. I was just kind of going through the motions the best that I could to do something that I thought I loved at that time. And a year goes by and we start getting traction, start doing larger events. My numbers started to increase. And then finally the uh, landlord was like, let's make this official. Buy my license. My, it was a liquor license. Buy my license. How much did a liquor license Let's get cost? you on a lease. 40000 at the time. Yeah, it's not bad. Cali especially. Yeah. And uh, we did a lease on the building. And How'd you buy his liquor license? It was just a direct transfer because everything was um, grandfathered in because it was such an old historical building. So we didn't have to rerun our permits or anything. It was just sign it over. And you paid him the cash. Correct. And we just kind of went for it. And dang, we're gonna get deep into this. Whoa, damn. Yeah. Whew, because, yeah, if we're gonna follow this timeline, it's gonna get deep. We, we only have an hour? <laughs> we can go two hours if you got a good timeline. Shit. Whew, let me if think it's interesting. Drink. So, I'm doing really well. I detailed questions. What's that? I asked detailed questions. Well, it's not the detailed questions. Learn. It's the actual timeline that's really going to be like, wow, that's going to bring me back. And that's how that happened. That's your story. It really is. And then, um, so I'm just doing a bunch of weddings. And I got a phone call from Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez bought TV Nuevo. Nuevo. And we get a phone call saying, hey, we're looking at doing a reality show about event planners and quinceañeras, which is the 15th birthday for Hispanic girls. We did a lot of those. And I said, okay, yeah, what do you need from me? We're just going to come out there. We'll do some shots, some B-rolls. We'll put it together and see if the team likes it. Okay, cool. So they came out, ran their shots, and what ended up happening is I don't even think she ended up picking that type of show anyways, and I don't even know if that station even exists anymore, but it got on the back burner. Nothing ever came from it, but it was a really cool opportunity that we were able to get noticed from our publications in um, magazines, advertising. I was pushing really hard. My marketing was really, really strong at that point. I was doing trade shows every single weekend I could. I was driving from Napa all the way down. What was the main marketing source that you were doing? What was the main marketing what? What, were, what was your main marketing tool? Uh, so it was trade shows, so like wedding fairs. So you'd go, you'd you bring just, your portfolio. You were just like hanging on the, on the J-Lo shit? Uh, no, we had a, a good catalog of events and designs. So we were a full you service explain facility. explain to me, dude. I don't know this world. I want to learn. Got it. I'm asking you real questions. Absolutely. I'm not busting your chops. No, for sure. Explain to me. Yeah. So you were working with the J-Lo show. No. We had an opportunity to present a pilot. A like pilot. audition. But, okay. So then you did what in the trade shows with that? 
nothing. It was just an opportunity from the consistency of doing the work and developing our business and heavy marketing that we just got that exposure. Mm -hmm. But then it just kind of died because it never got off the ground on their end. So it's just a little, little fucking turbocharger. For sure. And what you were doing. Exactly. It was a... So what are you doing at the trade show? So young business owner, they go on to set up at the Seafood Fest. Right? Uh-huh. My ego was too big back then to sit at the Seafood Fest. Desperate people go to Seafood Fest, right? You would think so, absolutely. And a lot of my friends I love have set up shop. Yeah. Jolie owned one of the biggest Italian caterers uh-huh. in the area. Uh, the, the two counties, even locally, he's, he's been the best. What type of smokes you got? Marlboro Man. Uh, Marble Light? Marble Light. I'll do one with you, too. Why not? It's a new one. What do you, what'd on you call him? Heater, bro. I never heard that term. It's a heater. I haven't smoked a cigarette in, like, I'll get, like, probably high. Then don't. Don't let me influ- influence you that way. I just, I just, why not do it? <laughs> You're the most interesting man, and I'm the most interesting man, too. Do you want one? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Let's do it. Let me get a heater. Do it. All the cool kids San do. Francisco lighter. All the cool kids I heard do. San Fran's, like, wacky. Oh, I don't even want to talk about San Francisco. No? Nah. It, it's not, irrelevant? It's not my jam, really. I mean, it's, it, it's another city, but I'm not part of it. Like, I don't... At least you can catch. Barely. I don't usually smoke cigarettes, but one in Rome. He looks like he'd be from Rome. Pure pressure. I feel like we're in London right now. Two Ah. advanced business guys. (laughs) You don't want to say that because you don't know what they call these in London. Basil's going to call me for a fucking head acting role after this. Right? I know. Yeah, it's getting him. Yeah, yeah, I told you. Where there's smoke, there's fire. And I'm a big flame. Maybe. So, at what point? Trade shows. I know. At what point did you start to convert that into getting this wedding venue and this restaurant on that property? So it was just a matter of consistency, uh, building familiarity as a businessman in town. I think I'm feeling high from this thing. Oh, great. And. The neighbor across the street built out a restaurant. And he wasn't a foodie. He came from the transportation world, did really well for himself. And just like all people who eat, hey, I eat food. I could open a restaurant. I could open a restaurant. My grandmother's recipe of meatloaf is the best. Was it Great, good? let's build a restaurant all around your, mother, your grandmother's meatloaf. Was it good meatloaf? No, it was terrible meatloaf. <laughs> Grandma, I don't know shit. And so he just sees me constantly um, just selling out. I mean, we were selling out every weekend. I was always busy building the brand and um, Don't get my too many pictures with the cigarettes you can go on Instagram. No, you're good. And he would come over and start asking questions. Hey, I need some help with a chef. What should I be looking for? Do you have a resource to buy plates? Where should I get my food from? You know, he was going to Restaurant Depot. I don't know if you have restaurant depots out here. And so it was just those basic restaurateur questions that I had those answers to. And eventually got to a point where he said, hey, 
I could really use some help. I need a partner. I said, okay. And so he put an offer on the table and I said, I'd buy in, however, some things I want to change. Well, what things? All the things. So we closed the restaurant for two weeks, completely redesigned the entire restaurant. It was a, basically he just created a new menu and then put a new name and that was a restaurant. It wasn't anything new. There was no real design aesthetic investment involved. And so I put some money into it and redesigned the entire place. Where'd you get that money? Just from continuing to be on the grind with my wedding planning and having the venue itself. So we got to a point where we were doing $30,000 weddings on a regular Friday, Saturday, Sunday. What were your revs to year? Um, we were probably at 300. 300 million? On, no, 300,000. Just, oh. I mean, we were a small town, so mm -hmm. it was just two floors. So what was your profit on that? Um, 20%. We did everything in-house. We did um, our own catering. We had a kitchen. I got to kill this thing. We did flowers, decorations, linens. I know this... I don't know if it's this smoke or that smoke. Probably that one. So, the restaurant's going. Uh-huh. You're now a partner. Mm -hmm. You bought in at what? Uh, 40K. 40K? That's cheap. Uh, that was just my buy-in. That's not including what I had to invest in the development. Build out. Itself. Yeah. All right, so what was your total investment? Probably 150. All right. And that restaurant served as like a backdrop of like, pre-wedding parties, post-wedding parties, or that it was it its own business without you? It was, yeah. yeah. Uh, Hollister doesn't have a whole lot of establishments. I mean, they, they have your typical restaurants, you know, burger joints, taquerias. But it was an American eatery, and we went all in. It was definitely the wrong time, wrong place for what the town was ready for at that time, but me being a visionary and always pushing the envelope, I said, why not, let's do it. And at that time, being not as knowledgeable in business. Are you married at this time still? I am married still at this time. Two sons? Two sons, yes. And then I was, so we had the restaurant which did breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then I had the event space which was doing late night, right? I mean, we would be there till about two in the morning some, day, some days after the 1 a.m. finished, and then we'd have to clean up and close everybody out. So I'm working 6 a.m. till 2 a.m. Just nonstop, on my grind. And this is where the story takes that turn. And I was on my grind, and I did not spend a lot of time as a family man. I identify, I still do identify as a businessman first and foremost. And my wife at the time said, you love that more than any of us, so we're gonna say goodbye. And broke my heart, did not know what I did not know at that time. And being so driven by my desire for success, I just kept on the gas. Push, 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 go, go, go. And not realizing that I was neglecting my family, my social life, my health was at the side while I just continued to focus on building a business and becoming successful. 
And that really You're getting the smoke over there. Threw me for a loop and threw me to the floor. It devastated me because it came out of nowhere. I didn't I was so focused that I didn't even see any of the typical signs. And um, basically at that time I said, This is exhausting. I can't cope with this. I didn't know how to at that time. Which is weird because I had done so well as a kid coping with my emotions, but here you have all this pressure that nobody taught me existed. I didn't even know it existed. I just went into it. And so um, we parted ways, not mutually. That's not what I wanted. I, at that time, you know, had a great depth love, high school sweethearts, my first everything, and uh, I was trying to build a life. And because of that, I could not cope, and I wasn't able to control myself, and I got reactive and angry, you know, that fear of loss, where are you going, you can't do this, you're hurting me, and it was not attractive, and it's not um, being a strong man or father, and so... Now, knowing that, I empathize and sympathize with my past self and even her, where, you know, I've forgiven that version of myself and I've forgiven her because she had to make the right choice for her as well. She made you better. Absolutely. And so from that, I made some really bad choices uh, in my anger. And I was a member of the... uh, of the state for a certain amount of time. I mean, you went to jail, but for what? That's right. I went to jail. Um, I was a angry, violent man. Why? And why? Because it was a fear of loss. You know, when you can't process those emotions and you think something outside of you is hurting you, the first thing you want to do is react and stop that. And you think it's somebody else, and we focus that energy on who we think it is. And it's not the healthiest thing to do, but that's... So what did you do to get in the, in the prison? Uh, basically, I broke a door down. <laughs> so I, my wife at the time locked me out and said, We don't want you here. Go away. This is my house. Open the door. I want my money in the safe. I want my stuff. Nope, go away, I'm calling the cops. You're not gonna tell me no. <clears throat> Broke the fucking door down. Neighbors call the cops. They come and turn around. These are your rights. Get in the car. So I went to jail, and as I'm in court, at that time, I had no idea what the status of my life was because that was the, an unknown for me. I had never been in a state of unknown. The judge says... Control freaks don't like that. That's correct. It's uncomfortable. That is correct. It creates growth. Absolutely. So I have another drink. <laughs> and so the judge says, you know, do you have a lawyer? I don't. I don't know where my livelihood is right now. I basically lost everything in my life as to what that's what I perceived. Well, we know you're a very 
successful businessman in this town. I'm not going to give you a public defender. You're going to have to figure it out. Hmm, interesting. So I sat and I sat and I sat. And I'd be brought back in. You found a lawyer? Nope. I have no idea where my life is right now. All right. I'm going to continue to let you sit because we know you're a successful man in this town. Something's not right. Finally, after weeks, some time has passed. Finally, I said, I don't know where my life is. I don't have access to anything. Nobody's answering my phone calls. I, I have nothing. Okay. You didn't have access to your bank accounts? Nothing. I had, there's not a cell phone. You don't get a cell phone. <laughs> At that time, you can't dial your bank account. Oh, you were sitting in jail. Right. And so I, I plead my sentence and did my time, my community service. And How long did you serve? Went through my classes. Uh, just over two months. And, and then I wore an ankle bracelet. And when I came out, it was all over the news, all over talk of the town. Mm-hmm. This guy did this. This is what happened. And basically was a big humiliation, embarrassment for the family and myself. How much did you want to win after that? How much did I want to win? Yeah. Just as much as I do today. I'm still fighting to make things right at that time of my life, for that time of my life. So, get divorced. You had talked earlier, you had five weddings going on, it was hot. Yeah. Your day crumbled. Ah, June 16th. Yeah. June 16th. You have a tatted on your... I do. I have a tattoo right here that says June 16th, 2012. Because when you recognize the patterns and the signs, you have lessons there. And when I ask business owners, when I'm consulting, tell me the best day of your life in business. And then tell me the worst day of your life in business. For me, it was the exact same day. It was June 16th. A friend from high school calls me and says, Eric, I want you to plan, or my sister wants you to plan her wedding. Absolutely. When is it? June 16th. Cool. Let's get a contract going and let's start the process. A couple months go by. I get another phone call. Hey, Eric, I'd like to meet with you. We're planning our wedding. Great. What day? June 16th. Well, I have another wedding, but I can do that. Cool. Sign the contract and move forward with the process. I get another phone call. Hey, Eric, I'd like to have an event June 16th. Okay. Sure, no problem. I get another phone call June 16th. I get another phone call June 16th. And at this time, I also had the restaurant. So I'm going in all these different directions, trying to manage as best as I could. And because I knew that the pressure was building and I knew that I didn't have all the resources to provide everything for all these events. So um, we were sold out at our event space. We had the restaurant and then we had some that were off site. So grandmother's home, parents' home, uh, you know, separate event venue. Um, We want you to still do our wedding. So I make some phone calls to my vendors and say, I don't want to take care of anything. I just want to be able to um, delegate negotiate timelines, work with everybody to make sure that everything is going as planned. 
So I outsourced 100% of it all. And I even pushed even farther. I even made some investments on my own to increase the aesthetics of these weddings. So, you know, the couples come and say, oh, my budget's 50,000 for 150 people. Oh, that's great, but because I want to be impressive, I'm going to contribute an additional amount of money to increase the flowers, to get some custom tables made. We're gonna get high quality linen. I'm gonna hire a videographer just to get the behind the scenes. I'm gonna hire a photographer. We're gonna upgrade the chafing dishes. So I just wanted to make sure that everything was looking great. And because we can't control anything, nature and the universe started to have its way. One thing led to another and things started to fall apart. So the first call was my tables and chairs. We outsourced all the tables and chairs. And um, I get a phone call from the lady and says, hey Eric, we're on our way with the tables and chairs, but the truck broke down. So we're stuck here. We're gonna unload onto a new truck. We'll be there shortly. Cool, great. Get a phone call a couple hours later. Hey Eric. We're a little bit closer to you, but the truck broke down again. Another truck broke down. Okay, what are we gonna do? I'm trying to call rental companies, but everybody's sold out because it's really late in the afternoon and nobody has any vehicles. But I have a pickup truck. We can haul this stuff to the events and take as many truckloads as we need to. Okay, meanwhile, I have staff that are waiting on each event to dry set every event. And as they're making their deliveries, it becomes midnight on Thursday. No, midnight on Friday, the deliveries finalize. My staff goes home, I didn't wanna pay the payroll. And I said, I guess I gotta do this myself. So I set up every single event by myself overnight. This was including dance floors, um, pipe and drape for lighting, truss systems for backdrops. I didn't sleep that night. I go home right before the sun rises, take a shower, and then I have to go meet everybody at the event space and start dispatching you're at this event, you're at this event. Chef, where are we at with our line? Do we have everything we need? And then we're rolling through the weddings themselves. And because everything was congested and when things start to stack, it's hard to stop that once it begins. So it was the hottest day of the year and people were asking for waters. I'm the caterer, you should have water. Okay, here, some water. We need ice. It's like 11 a.m. Uh, Eric, we're out of ice. We're out of water. Okay, let, let's go do that. So now they've gotten us chasing our tail. And then um, the services started to be delivered. So now the cake is being arrived. Food is starting to arrive. We had candy stations, um, setting up gift tables, and so this cake went to that event, that cake went to this event, that cake color is wrong, 
that's not the one we thought we picked. Our flowers are dying because it's the hottest day of the year and we didn't think about what flowers are gonna last throughout the night and into the day with the sun blaring on them. Um, candy stations falling apart. We run out of water, run out of ice. Staff is overwhelmed, they're stressed. I'm nowhere to be found because I'm running from one to the next. And finally, the sun's setting and we're supposed to have the events. Why is it so dark out here? I don't have any lights. We don't have any power. I call my dad. Dad, I need you to go to the rental company, pick up the generators. I forgot to pick up the generators. The lights are there too, pick them up. I'm not crying, it's literally the smoke. Yeah, it's bad. So, <laughs> yeah. And so my dad drives, and picks them up, rushes over. He was putting sod on his lawn. So he shows up filthy and he's honking his horn because son, here I am, I did you this favor, but you interrupted me while I was doing my gardening. So get this shit off my truck so I can go back doing what I was doing. So he's honking the horn and people are like, what the hell's going on? So we get it set up. Man, that smoke is is it, is it hitting you? <laughs> it's hitting me hard. I, I feel like it's shifting left though. <laughs> Guys, we gotta I break down. I swear I'm not crying. <laughs> I'm not crying, you're crying. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, we we're going through the motions, dinner's starting to be served. Obviously, we're running low on food. People are now frustrated and irritated throughout the day. I'm getting phone calls from uh, mothers of the bride, sisters of the bride. Eric, where are you? Where is this? How come this is happening? Staff is not, you're you're not communicating to your staff. They're not communicating to us. What the hell's going on? And finally, I just pull over on the side of the road and I go, oh, I can't do this anymore. And I break into tears. I say, I, I fucked up, I failed. I'm a failure. I bit off more than I could chew. And I called the, my best friend and said, dude, I, I can't do this. And uh, get yourself up and finish this night. I finished the night, and shortly after that, I get the phone calls and the emails for, hey, can we meet? We need to talk about our weddings and our events. Okay, and I knew what was coming. We want our money back. Okay. So I give all the money back, but my vendors weren't going to give me any breaks, so I had to pay my vendors out. And that was the fall of the event business. Yeah, crashed. And then the restaurant, because we were still at capacity, or we were doing really well with capacity-wise, but it was also an old building, the plumbing lines could not hold the capacity, and the sewer line completely broke. Destroyed our entire basement. And once something's unsanitary in the food business, you have to shut down and fully clean it. You got to get hazmat in there. And at that time I was already exhausted. I didn't have any energy left in me. And so I quit and I walked away from my business. I ran away for the first time. Yeah, but you're, you, you needed to. I needed to learn. Yeah. I mean that you're, that uncomfortableness was real growth. It, it was you, the start of it. Your Absolutely. ego wasn't going to allow you to learn that without that. Correct. 
to lessen. Yeah, and so after that, I went on a journey to start writing, and I was journaling and working on myself. And I wrote, and I wrote, and I read, and I read, and I listened, and I talked, I asked questions. And then eventually people started to see... What spoke to you most in like those reading or the podcast or books? Rattle off some of those things that helped you. Patterns for sure. Not looking at failure as a specific... Like you're not a failure. You had a failing moment, but you are not a failure if you get back up and try again. Mm -hmm. Keep doing that. And that throughout my time has been my ultimate go-to is just because there's a failure here doesn't make you a failure get back up and go and uh, I've always continued to push that through my business and nothing phases me because I understand that that's part of it you know success looks like this it really really does not a lot of people get to experience that some people get really lucky and I don't necessarily believe in luck because I do believe and I know that it comes from that dedication, focus, and hard work. But you can be, you can put yourself in the right place at the right time. And I guess that's what would be perceived as luck. Where someone does fall upon something and it takes off. And Jeff Bezos with Amazon is a great example of what people perceive as luck. But he was grinding, grinding, grinding. It was his business and then it, it took off. But it didn't just go from here to here. It, it still had its climb. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, it looks like this. And that's a lot of where my life has taken me. But it's not just like this. It actually is, it's like this. And then, so I, I was writing my journal and I said, I, I need to do something with this. I, I know people want to hear it. They need to hear it. Because I do get a lot of people that say, you're engaging, I like talking to you, you have a lot of wisdom. And from my life experiences that I've allowed myself, that I've put myself in, it's where that comes from. So I said, okay, let's publish this book. So I self-published it, and it sat on a shelf forever. It was just something that I needed to, to get out of me. And I did it. I started it, I finished it, and I was satisfied with it. And my heart was crying to help business owners because I knew that once that train was going in that direction, I've been there. I know what that looks like. <coughs> so I, I know stop where they're you. going. Business owners. You yeah. love business owners. To the core. How'd you, how'd, you, how'd you learn about this podcast? So uh, I build restaurants primarily, but I build businesses because whether it's a salon a taqueria or a bakery, it all follows the same patterns, right? There's a concept, creation, design, development, operations and execution. So I was building a restaurant and one of my tradesmen who is a framer, who I would see daily, he would just start to share with me his life because I allow that space as a leader, you okay? Do you need anything? Because being hands-off truly is the best way to be hands-on. It's about providing that space of leadership, of letting people do what they're great at, letting them do what they love, and in turn that 
that is what makes great leadership. So as we're working daily. It's called developing relationships. That's correct. And so as we are building this restaurant, he would come to me and have conversations. Hey, I had this thought. I'm struggling with this. Sometimes I'm sick of my job. What would you say? How, how can you help me? And I would just give him my words of advice, words of advice. And finally, one day I said, here's my book. You're an author? Yep. Here's my book. Went home and read it. It's like, dude, some good shit in there. Yeah. And then he started to take his life for growth and started to do the work himself. Instead of listening to just nonsense music at, music at times on his way to work, he was listening to podcasts. You were one of them. How did he find it? I don't know how he specifically found you. But opening that door for personal growth allowed him to open up the opportunity to listen to podcasts. And he's like, dude, you gotta listen to Ryan. He talks about the same stuff that you do. You gotta check him out. Okay, cool. And like I've told you, this is not something that I've ever thought about being a part of. Whether it's mentorship, speaking, providing wisdom on a larger scale. Why not? And so then I looked you up. Cool. I like it. This guy's a nobody. <laughs> but I'll listen. <laughs> and so then I sent you an email, of course, and said, yeah, I'd love to have you on the show. And the rest was kind of history with that. That's what opened the door. Yeah. So. You still took action on it. You have to. It's not about reacting. It's about acting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So as your career developed and now, you know, fast forwarding into you being a guy that does commercial design. Yep. Whether it be restaurants, predominantly restaurants, right? Correct. Yeah. That was your, obviously, background. Uh, yeah, I know. I know food and beverage. Yeah. I mean, I know where things need to go to operate successfully. You said Charlie's took how much? $10 million to build? I believe it was about a $10 million build. We got that, we got that on record. We got the... I believe Charlie's was about a $10 million build. That would be my estimate. <laughs> We're going to have to double check that shit. Because <laughs> I built $20 million and I, and I know the... Layout. The materials and fabrication it took for that. So this passion of yours was like design and helping and, and creation. And yeah. now, this, now this deep dive of yourself of, uh -huh. of who am I looking introspectively yeah. helps me. I still love that. But now like I love that with understanding how I have to be as a leader, as a person, a good person and, and therapeutically for yourself. Uh-huh. I'm going to go into the restaurant space. I'm going to start fucking designing restaurants, being a GC on a job. You're wearing cowboy boots. You tell me you work on the job site every day. Yep. You know, talk about that business. What exactly you do? So it starts, so business itself follows a pattern, but speaking commercially in restaurants, you have a concept. Going back to everybody thinks, because my grandmother's recipe is the best, I want to open up a restaurant and have a business off of a meatloaf recipe, <laughs> which is a really bad idea, but... Yeah, meatloaf is like the worst thing to eat out of the restaurant. <laughs> but people do it all the time. Restaurants are the number one failed business. They 
fail within the first year for a reason. Because nobody is a restaurateur. You're oh, actually, I think chef. chefs have big egos. Correct. So that's what happens is you're either a chef or a general manager. You hear that, Ramsey? You got a big ego, motherfucker. Come on the show. <laughs> I know your boy. I work with the best chefs in the world. And so... It uh, starts with the concept. And when you come from being a chef, you don't think about construction. You don't think about design. You just are in your frame of, oh, I'm, I make the best food. I'm creating. I'm a creative, right? It, my food is art. And I'm an arrogant son of a bitch because I'm the chief of the kitchen. That's what it looks like to them. And that's how most restaurants are built. Not many restaurateurs. You have a lot of chefs who own restaurants. You have a lot of general managers who own restaurants. That's not being a restaurateur. It's a different, it's a different breed. Um, and so it starts with the concept. Then we go into uh, embodiment of that concept. What type of food? What's your theme? What's your niche? Most of the time it's that simple. How many seats do you want to have? What are your operating hours? Uh, what's your average check? And we go through those metrics and then we come up with a concept. So what do you think about work. the concept of Charlie's tonight? Uh, Charlie's is clean. Very, very clean. Very American uh, harbor, sea front. Um, we didn't get a chance to sit at the dining. I mean, we didn't dine at a yeah. dining table. We didn't get the full experience, but restaurants follow a very simple pattern. I Good mean, it's not, it, it's not a gimmicky restaurant. It's the harbor, seaport, Feel. seafood restaurant. But its own characteristics. Great. So I'm going to speed your life up a little bit. You yep. guys, you... you you started consulting for restaurants. You were building, you know, recently your most recent Chinese restaurant was $20, 20 million, million build out. 20 million. You know, you go in there as a fee. You're kind of working with the architects, the contractors. Correct. A GC, but from a design perspective. Uh-huh. You've done fairly well with that. Your fees have done well for you. Yep. You've developed as a person, right? Mm -hmm. You've figured out who I want to be as a dad. If I want to level my kids up, I need to level myself up. Who am I kidding? Don't be immature. Don't chase this. Don't chase that. Right. What do you look to do now moving forward? Restoration. Restoration. Um, I believe that there's a lot of families that are struggling. A lot of businesses are struggling. Being a prime example of what that experience did for me in my life, I know what that looks like. And to be that individual, to, to provide that guidance, that support, to restore families and to restore businesses is definitely what I need to be doing. But you said a comment earlier, you said, uh, you're a man of God. Uh-huh. So, like, what does that mean to you going deep? Tell me more. What's tell me more? Because for you, me that can go real deep. But it's like, what? What do you like? So, in in my opinion, me uh -huh. being tossed into Ryan, your success will be 
predicated of you serving a purpose versus you chasing down like a machine. So going from lion to horse. Okay. Right? So you said there's only four personality types. Correct. Puppy, bear, lion, horse. Puppy is innocence. Bear is fear. Lion is self-preservation. And horse is non-compromising and empathetic. So you're flipping into that guy. Sorry? You want, you're, you're, in this storyline, we're flipping you into that guy. Yeah, in into the, the horse. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what does that look like? Being Have able seen to... others? Like we talked about coaching groups. Lion's Den, Sean. Right. You know, I talked about my group. Right. You know, what does that look like for you? Yeah. I definitely know it's restoration. Uh, I have my company, Mavericks, spelt incorrectly intentionally because that is a Maverick move. It's about restoration and, and, able to, and being able to help other people. You have to be able to be an example yourself. And so to restore someone else, I had to fully restore myself first. So I was the first customer client of that restoration process. Yeah. And that's you could share your what allows me to be here. Mm-hmm. Well, the construction guy allows you to be here. That is correct. <laughs> but the inner work that I did that allows him yeah. to have that space. No, it allows you to drop your ego to listen to that guy. Absolutely. So you say, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to turn this all around. I know how to build restaurants. Uh-huh. I'm killing it. Before I go on the, the path I was just going to take you on, yeah. I want to talk about making your business sexy. And you recently said, I'm going to do modeling, and you look like the most interesting man, and you, you walked into the acting world, Hollywood. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which, like, I'm not a fan of Hollywood. I'm uh-huh. really not. That doesn't mean I'm not a fan of you. But right. Ryan is just Ryan. I'm imperfect. Uh-huh. Right. Fuck Hollywood. <laughs> so you start to say, like, I'm handsome. I have something to put out. You reference Ryan Reynolds of using his expertise as an actor. Correct. His handsomeness, if that's a lack of a better word. His you attraction. Ever, you ever hear Handsomer by Russ? No, but that's funny. It's a great song. I'll put it on <laughs> after we stop. Uh, when he sings that song, I think he talks about me. <laughs> but you figured, like, I am handsome. I am going to make my brand, the enterprise of Eric, more sexy. Uh Talk about what happened there and what transpired. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up because that is a great transition into where I do see things going. And I love Ryan Reynolds. Hi, if you see this. (laughs) So I believe that he truly is like one of the smartest business owners currently. He just sold Mint for a ridiculous amount of money. But it was only because he was able to leverage his acting and his influence. His eyes. (laughs) The eyes. You can modify the eyes. (laughs) But you need need to get eyes. You have no eyes yet. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. I see. The attention uh, Mm -hmm. influence. I'm I'm talking about eyes. eyes, eyes. Like your guy with the barbecue. The guy with the barbecue place got more eyes than you. (laughs) Yes, correct. And so... Ryan, he took, for sure, he took that um, and pushed it into the business world. I want to do the same thing, but in the opposite direction. So I've been in the business world for a long time, but I did not push marketing beyond the typical 
small business owner and what they do. They join yeah. the chamber, they go to the mixers, they go to the events, they go to the trade shows. Womp womp. Oh, I'm gonna do a promotional video. I need to hire a videographer. Yeah, womp womp. Can you uh, do my Instagram? It's like, that's all very, very low. I wanna put someone on blast. I think the chamber is the biggest bullshit going. It truly is 100%. I really do, and like they try to act like they're doing for the community. That is correct. I'll do way more for the fucking community than the chamber ever will. I'll challenge you on that shit. 100%. Yeah, it's yep. a room full of desperate people, in my opinion. And, I, and that may be offensive to you, but if you want to win, get in different rooms, join a charity, yep. do other things that are attached to your mission and your growth, and those people all give you business way better than the chamber ever will. That's my point. Where yeah. And why you, does a chamber leader take so much of an override, too? Yep. So. And so breaking into that, when you really break through the glass ceiling of yourself and how you've been living as an operator most of the time for so long, it's exhausting. But then when you push beyond that, a whole nother world opens up. And so I walked into this world of higher end content, which truly is not the, um, the influencers of typical social media like it's beyond that it, but you were it's the you, Ryan Reynolds you, you were in three movies recently mm-hmm. listen I love you but you and Ryan Reynolds are far apart dog you're far apart for sure right so now you were in three movies uh-huh, right, right what were they recently oh I that can't be disclosed at this point because they're not released yet are they gonna be good I I would like to think so because I'm in them are you a main role <laughs> I am a lead so like what was the lead like give me a hint hmm Business tycoon. All right. So it was an embodiment of truly what I've done, and that's how I was able to transition into it because it's not really acting. It's just what I know from the experience. I know how to have those conversations. I know how to. I know how sales and marketing works. So it wasn't just rehearsing a character of lines. It was just me memorizing lines and then just being myself. Mm-hmm. And that's going to trans transform everything moving into the future. So you think about it as this it's will, the greatest this will blow my brand. It's the greatest marketing plan ever. Well, you, well, you fell into it. You didn't strategize mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Right? So everybody's always like, Ryan, you're so smart. You do high-end tax planning and high-end life insurance sales. Uh-huh. But your podcast is what gets the eyes. Uh-huh. Like, they give me too much credit. I never thought about that. I thought about doing the right thing and turn around helping the business owner. You fell into acting because I was good look am good looking and it was like, hey, you fit this role based on what we see. So are you Middle Eastern, Ukrainian? It's the number one question I get asked. People think I'm Persian, Greek, Middle Eastern. Middle Eastern. Yeah. My father is Korean and Scottish, and my mother is Hispanic, German, Irish, and a potload of other other things. You still talk to your mom and dad? I, I talk to my mom regularly. She's like a best friend. Mm-hmm. And there was a certain amount of time where we did not talk because I needed to have that growth of separation of being a son to being her adult son man. So you think a lot of people like nowadays don't allow their sons to become sons too much hands-on? A hundred percent. That's a big thing that I would definitely push in the consulting world is... Can you let go of that child and be an adult? I, 
I know a lot of people are just bound by their parents because that's a huge chain to break. Some people still have their umbilical cord. You have to be able to sever that and say, I am an adult. I'm fully independent, truly, truly independent, where you can sustain you and your family alone. Now, granted, there are definitely moments where family coming together and making sure you're having that bond, but it should not go beyond that where it's like they're another um, another partner in your relationship or family dynamic. I don't think that's healthy. You have to be able to be a strong individual as a true adult. Go into the woods. Go into the darkness. Get strong and come back out as a solid individual where nothing is going to be able to bring you down. You got an ash or a nose piercing? That's an ash. I was going to say, Should I, I get my nose pierced? I didn't see it earlier. <laughs> no. Comments below. <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work out as the most interesting man if you had a nose piercing. Mm-mm. So you're teaching your boys that shit? Absolutely. Yeah. That's so what you didn't get as a kid. I did not. And that's what's funny. Like, everybody that comes on my show, you're all different. Mm-hmm. You're different as fuck from a lot of my guests. And uh, I could see the good in people. I could see their heart. I'm going to... I'm a guy that reads people off their vibes. Although you called me earlier, told me like you cared about acting, billboards, and Hollywood. I was like, I'm gonna send this guy back to fucking California. He ain't allowed on my show. <laughs> I don't deviate, dude. Right. And uh, I think when you have something inside you, and that's what guides you, mm-hmm. if you stick to it, you'll win. Correct. And you were finding that through your failures, through uh-huh. lack of you know, taking enough shrooms and letting go of your ego. Yep. You should talk to Matt Vincent and really understanding who I am as a man mm-hmm. and then building that man back up. Correct. That's Because that's the hard part. Like, you break the man down through the ego. That's the process. Right? So we yep. were sitting there and like, Nick, wherever he is, it's a long S name. He was at my last event and he was like, talking about, go back to the kid, go back to the kid. And I was like, Ryan, you're fucking crushing it, dude. You're yeah. savage. Uh-huh. What was your most grateful time? The, the neurologist walked in and told me that my son fucking didn't have fucking blood on his brain. Uh-huh. He was ripped out by a vacuum seven times. Like, he walked me through this emotional state. Mm-hmm. I was crying like a fucking baby. I'll punch you in the face five minutes later. No problem. Right. So, like, walking through those emotions as a man, figuring yourself out is extremely mm-hmm. important especially as a business owner, ego, ego, ego will drown your business. It will. Because you can't take outside criticism. You won't listen to your wife. You won't listen to your friends. And you don't understand yourself. Correct. And you were figuring that all out. I was and did, finally. Took me many years to do it, but I finally did. But you still love yourself. You still think you're handsome. And you went into acting and modeling. Humbly, (laughs) though. You went into acting and modeling. Humbly. Well, because it fell into me. I, I wasn't fighting or searching for it. I wasn't saying I'm, I'm going to be famous at that time. It was just I've been walking in it gracefully now. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's, I'll answer that phone call. Sure, I'll take that role. Okay, yeah, I'll take those photos. Yeah, let's go do that. And then it got to a point where it's like, this feels right, it looks right. Okay, let's go with it. And mm-hmm. then doors started to open. So will these be big hits or? Oh, I, I would like to, like to hope so. I have faith. Are they Netflix-based? Are they Lionsgate, Warner Brothers-based? Like, (laughs) 
I know Basil, dude. I know fucking Hollywood pretty good now. Yeah. So we'll see how it unfolds. We shall see how it unfolds. You got NDAs you can't talk we about? We do have NDAs. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. What do you think that will do in changing your career and pivoting back to being a business owner and a, a commercial designer? Uh, it's going to be my tool for awareness. One of the biggest things that I did tell you on our initial call was that I did want to take some time to really dedicate just showing up, just saying, here I am. You know, half of the work is showing up. Meaning going to places like this. Correct. Yeah, Because this isn't something I would have done in the past. I would have been like, ah, I got shit to do. Sorry, I can't. I don't have time. I got numbers to crunch. I got to be on my grind. I have meetings. Yeah. I'm up at 6 in the morning. Now I'm up at 4.30. You couldn't say that because I didn't call you. Correct. That's what my life is, though. <laughs> Typically. Yeah, I get it. As to where it was just I always... do the same shit. I went out to Utah. Is that January 15th? 17th? 18th? I met a lot of cool-ass people. Um, Keaton's a rock star. He's famous. But, you know, it was all the other people I met, too. Mm-hmm. Red suit realtor. I interviewed him last week. Guy's uh-huh. just a real guy. He's a Mormon. He doesn't agree with Book of Mormon. You ever see Book of Mormon? I have not. Yeah. They have like black dildos on stage. It gets wild. What? I'm just like, the Mormons get down. <laughs> What's going on? So I asked him on camera. Like, like a party. You, yeah, what do you think about the black dicks in the, in the Mormon uh-huh. world? He got a little red. But, uh... That wasn't the reflection? No, he wasn't feeling it. But... <laughs> He's a good guy and he's good people and I would have never met him if I didn't go do that. Yeah. And for many years you're in control. Correct. You said control many times. Correct. You're uncomfortable letting go. Being of uncomfortable. Correct. Yeah, so something you know, my show is small, but something will come out of this for you because you did this. A hundred percent. Yeah. And then you gotta pay me ten percent. You got it. So rounding this out, I'd like to ask two questions to everybody, no matter who they are. Of course. The first question is, any type of entrepreneur, any type of business owner, what's the one thing, it cannot be elongated, what's the one thing you would leave them with? Learn to endure it. If it's truly what you love, you have to fight for it. Things are going to challenge you. Things are going to make you feel like shit. You're going to feel like you're not worth it. You're doing it wrong. How am I fucking up? Keep pushing. Pick yourself up every day and keep breaking down those walls. So talk about that. Do you think coaching is good for that? I Having think it's coaches? necessary because a lot of times people get, well, 100%, 100% of the time people get in their way because fear stops them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's, you, you need to give them that. Yeah. I don't want to jump. I don't want to jump. Yeah. <laughs> oh, crap. Mm-hmm. You're going to learn to sink or swim. And if you want to live and succeed and do what you want to do, you're going to learn to swim really quickly. Yeah. Recently, I did a, uh, this business summit, the event NJ. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It was uh, a lot of pressure. I'm a nobody. Got this small little podcast. It, I will be number one in the world in 10 years. You did it. Rob Bailey shit can't catch me. Uh, shout out to Rob Bailey. But if Keaton wasn't talking shit, if he wasn't saying like he can get more people on the East Coast to his event than me, uh-huh. I wouldn't have done it. 
and he read me and he played it right and everybody needs a coach in all aspects of life and it can be here here and here and each one of those levels are different coaches correct or a reoccurring coach at, at a later date and uh I think that's great advice. Second question is, if you want to give anybody a shout-out, business owners, back in your space, or just nationally, uh-huh. you know, give us one or two people. It's so cliche, but I would 100% say my mom. Is she a business owner? She is. She's a baker. And she's going through the process. What's the name of her company? Uh, Lighthouse 55. Mm-hmm. And she's going through the process herself. Been in business for seven years. And it got to a point where, what's the next level? And there's so much to my story that we haven't even talked about how many businesses. Like what? Um, we, the bakery in Hollister generates a lot of um, travelers from the surrounding cities. And we were getting comments saying, you've got to open up another location. You've got to open up another location. And so we were looking and scouting spots and cities and one of them was in the small town of Los Banos we're looking for the commercial space and I want sounds walk- Irish what's that the city yeah no, it actually means the bathroom in Spanish uh, I thought that was Irish <laughs> it's, the, it, it's the I've never shitter been in Dublin in my bad <laughs> Los Banos fucking Spanish <laughs> Miss Ola no what was her name what was our Spanish teacher in high school Miss Popo Miss Popo she Do you remember Miss Popo? She was a cop. <laughs> I we call, Popo, we call cops Popos. I got kicked out of her class for a fucking, for a racist comment. I, that sounds about right. That's fucked up. That, that that, but it's probably true. No, it was not true. <laughs> oh, okay. I was uneducated. <laughs> and Miss Popo kicked me out. Anyway, I'm pretty good at Spanish. <laughs> Hola. Tambien. No, you went, you're off track, dude. You say, como esta? <laughs> Bringing it back. <laughs> and then... I'm on track. You're off track. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not following? <laughs> yeah. I'm guiding you. <laughs> okay, so where are we at? Spanish class? Where, where we, where We're am talking I, where about am I you giving wisdom to business owners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it was a shout-out. That's what it was. And then talking about... Uh, Spanish the, people. The location. Anyways, so... It was Spanish name. The city. Yeah, so I was fully on message. That's right. You were off. All right, spring you back, dog. (laughs) You you were on it. And so I walked into a space that I just fell in love with, and it allowed me to... It sounds sexy as fuck. I want to go to Mexico now. Why do you want to go to Mexico now? It just sounds like a Mexican name, like... Los Baños? Los, yeah, Los it, Baños. It means bathroom in Spanish. All right, Los Baños. Like, <laughs> tell me that's not like a Mexican fucking resort, dude. Now say the bathroom. Gran Valas. <laughs> right? Like, I could sell the shit out of properties, me and you, in Mexico, no problem. Let's go. Let's go. So business owners nationally, you want to love. Give us one more. Oh, that I want to show the love for. Yeah, one more. Give them a shout out. Or maybe they have a future on Fireside. Who do I want to give the biggest shout out to? <sighs> Sean Whalen? Are you in the Lions then? No, but that's that's great because you should be in it. <laughs> I should, right? 
he teaches. We, started I, what happens group. when you get two lions together, though? They kick you out. Mm. <laughs> There's no two males. <laughs> is that what happens? Is that what happens? <laughs> what happens is there, is there two males in a fucking right? lion set? Uh huh. No, there's not. Never. There is not. <laughs> and are you, are, is Sean creating lions or is he creating sheep? It's great that you bring that up because you know exactly what it is. I don't know anything. I'm just asking questions. No, I, I agree. Sean's much Anytime more there's a group of anything, it's there's a collective, which at that point it is a, a sheep of a collective. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, the pit is trying to create fucking lions. I hope you all leave me. Yep. That's the goal, right? Send them out. Send them out. Listen, this yeah. has been good. Yeah, 100%. It's been all over the map. <laughs> are those Arabic bracelets? I see, like, they writing are. on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. We'll talk about them after the show. Cheers. This is fun. Cali, another West Coast to East Coast guest. Cheers. We do it all. Thank you, brother. My pleasure.